0: Various cities where there's rioting and unrest at night after you've gone to bed. Downtown, your city's getting smashed up as to what these people want or don't want or what they're trying to accomplish. And Representative Dan Crenshaw was on uh, Fox last night talking about that.
1: Democrats cannot for the life of them condemn Antifa and these violent mobs. All right. Whether it's whether it's sugarcoating the behavior as mostly peaceful or Jerry Nadler saying Antifa's a myth. We have remember Eric Swalwell said he's never heard of Antifa. Remember the governor of Washington refused to even acknowledge that Chaz existed at first. There's a pattern here. You look at words from Nancy Pelosi. What does she say? She says, you know, this is all Trump's fault. If we were in power, none of this left-wing terrorism would be happening right now. So their messaging is coming from different angles, but it is very well coordinated, and it's and it's this. They're gonna hold you hostage, they're gonna hold you, the American people, hostage until you give them power how do I know that they just want power because normally protesters have a, some kind of demand right there's something that would stop their protest because you know maybe a policy mm-hmm. change but that never happens yeah. even when Portland defunds their police it doesn't stop the mob they Good continue point. because it's power that they're after that reminds me
2: very much of the whole circular reasoning of white fragility in the critical race theory there's no way to be on the right side unless you completely submit to all of their demands Uh, Or or orders, because they're not demands per se, all of their requirements of you, which might be very different tomorrow, but you must comply again tomorrow.
0: Right. That's the interesting part. It's just comply with everything we tell you to do and will in the future tell you to do anything we come up with next year. You need to go along with also. Yeah.
2: So what these protests aren't is uh, black people righteously demanding their civil rights. It is mostly white militants, radicals, Marxists, uh, anarchists, the rest of it, who want to tear down the institutions of the United States and and build a utopia of their, their vision. These people have always existed. I think mainstream America hears about violent political radicals, and they think, well, maybe in other places at other times. But they're not real in America. They are real. They've always been real. Read about all the bombings in the 70s if you haven't, you know, if you've forgotten about it or you're not familiar with it. But a couple of a uh, couple of exhi- exhibits for you. Journalist Kate Daviscourt saw, caught some eye-opening moments as left-wing militants Antifa and others gathered in Seattle uh, Seattle intersection Sunday, hoping to start a confrontation with police. Well, two black men had clearly had enough. One began kicking down the barricades spanning the width of the street that rioters had created out of trash containers and told him exactly what he thinks about their movement. All lives matter! All lives matter! The man chanted as he booted container after container. Right on cue, what appeared to be three white people rushed toward the black man. One woman, particularly angry. It's always young white women who are the craziest. Uh, Ordered the black man to get back and get out of here! Just one more example, like the the incredibly eloquent black cop in Portland said, they have no interest in what black people want to say. None. Um, uh they tried to drown him down, gave him the finger, started screaming obscenities at him. Another black man got on a megaphone and berated the BLM and Antifa faithful for the trash barricade ruining the city. The rest of it, you get odd into arguments with several left-wing people who didn't appreciate him throwing light on their gesture, right on cue a white man mustered up the gall to lecture him on his actions, etc. Uh that's nice. Um Here's a headline. As protests against federal agents grow in Portland, black activists worry their message is getting lost. It is. It's lost. Um, And they get into the fact that it's now become about radical leftist politics. And then this I thought was great. And part of me wants to come up with a uh, a very brief, like a card you can carry or something. So when you get dragged into your company's diversity training, and it's this garbage of white fragility or or critical race theory, you can briefly explain, look at the card, and say, I respectfully decline to participate in this because I believe it to be X, Y, and Z. Now, you might be better off just going along to get along, but at some point this stuff is going to overwhelm us and we're going to lose our country. And I mean all of us, people who love this country of all colors and creeds and the rest of it. But there's a great piece in the Star Tribune, the Minnesota Star Tribune, Um, Oh, man, the author's name is cut off. I hate when that happens. Oh, uh, Catherine Kirsten. Um, And she talks about the death of uh, George Floyd 60 years after the Civil Rights Act. And despite decades of affirmative action, massive social welfare spending, and a two-term black president, we are told that white supremacy deforms America today. The movement to eradicate white privilege manifests in demands to defund police and the toppling of statues from Confederate generals to George Washington, um, and her opinion is this whole movement is a new religion. Um, yet something is profoundly amiss in the frenzied movement that America has America in its grip. This movement elevates passion over reason and dogma over data. It contemptuously rejects and attempts to silence, calls for objective analysis as self-evidently racist. In the process, it requires adherence to turn a blind eye to its stark inconsistencies. For example, example, while its votaries, an unnecessarily fancy word, its uh, supporters, blocked Interstate 94 and torched whole neighborhoods in the name of justice for Floyd, who died at the hands of the police, they are silent about the rain of gunfire and soaring death toll from black-on-black violence in Minneapolis since then. As of Friday, the city had 37 homicides this year, nearly twice as many as this time last year. At least 274 people have been shot. 60% increase. Nationally, about 90% of black murder victims are killed by other blacks when the race of the killer is known, according to the FBI. What is unfolding before our eyes is a new secular religion. For all its claims of inclusivity, this new faith is deeply intolerant. And she goes into detail on that. We just need more people, black folks, white folks, Hispanics, Asians, have I left anybody out, Inuits, South Americans not of Hispanic descent, white Africans, everybody to wake up to the fact that this is a militant political movement that has nothing to do with race or or George Floyd or police brutality.
0: Let me fit in one more thing, then we got to take a break, because we're going to talk to former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich coming up in just a couple of minutes. Um, this is on the, according to the dispatch, contradictions in the story that's happening in all these cities. You know, you got the peaceful protesters that actually exist, and you got the violent mob, which actually exists. And then so many people wanting to report on just one or the other. Um, Associated Press quoting uh, one peaceful protester. We're not here being violent or being destructive. We have a positive message. There's nothing to quell here, a protester told an Associated Press reporter. 30 minutes later, says the reporter, someone fired a commercial-grade firework inside the fence. This is in Portland. Next came a flare and then protesters began using an angle grinder to eat away at the fence. A barrage of items came whizzing into the courthouse. Rocks, cans of beans, water bottles, potatoes, potatoes, and rubber bouncy balls that caused the agents to slip and fall. Okay, I get it. Within minutes, the federal agents at the fence perimeter fired their first tear gas of the night. And then, you know, goes on and on and on. But that's that's how it works.
2: Making it clear that the first guy that you were talking to, or talking about, rather, is, is a complete liar, or he's out of his mind. You're not violent, maybe, and good for you. Congratulations. But well, plenty of people are. Right, Man, the, the ability to just recognize and speak the truth is uh, may not be lost, but uh, we got to look for it.
0: So I regularly find Newt Gingrich interesting. He was Speaker of the House when Clinton was president. He's run for president um, and had a decent run. Uh, several years back He's a an historian mm-hmm. All that combines for a good uh, conversation That's next Armstrong Days till a presidential election, and uh, we're about to talk to Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House, and he ran for president back in 2012. Remember when Romney got the nomination, and Newt actually won South Carolina. That's right. And I remember him saying, "It's pretty clear I'm going to be the nominee of the Republican Party." Uh, didn't work out that way, and Mitt Romney ended up uh, winning, but and going on to be a two-term president. <laughs> So, uh, Newton knows about a lot of different things, including the fact that he is an historian.
2: Yes, indeed, and we are looking forward to speaking with the Speaker, uh, coming up in a couple of minutes, whenever we can wrangle him. Uh, for a very long time, I have claimed that my favorite sports team, based purely on their name, is the Amarillo Sod Poodles, minor league baseball team. There is no minor league baseball this year, which is terrible for a lot of teams, a lot of towns. Um, I may be switching my allegiance, however... To the, uh, the Rocket City Trash Pandas.
0: Trash Pandas?
2: Rocket City Trash Pandas, which is just fantastic.
0: That is cool. What's their gear look like? A Trash
2: Panda is a nickname for a raccoon. Just a that. Sob Poodle is a nickname for a prairie dog in that part of Texas,
0: I'm oh, told. That's awesome. they got to have cool shirts or whatnot. I might They're, have to get a shirt.
2: That's the thing. They're, one of their s- shirts has gone viral. It says... Uh, 2020, just trash. And the raccoon is one of the zeros in the 20.
0: Gotcha. I'm buying that shirt when I get home today. Sure, absolutely.
2: I may buy one in several sizes in case I lose and or gain weight. (laughs) (laughs) You'll always
0: have one at the ready.
2: (laughs) Yeah, 2020 is trash. Great Scott, what a year.
0: Yeah, I'd say. Uh, In New York City right now, looking at the Wall Street Journal, Fewer than one-tenth of Manhattan office workers are back in the workplace. A full month after the city, quote, opened back up. One-tenth. All that office space in Manhattan, if you've ever been to New York. Right. One-tenth of it. Great, Scott. It's astounding.
2: Those ripples will be rippling for quite some time. Uh, ladies and gents, what a pleasure it is to welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House of Representatives, Fox News contributor, author of the new book, Trump and the American Future, Solving the Great Problems of Our Time. Uh, Mr. Speaker, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Excellent. And I appreciate the chance to be with you. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Thanks. Hey, a quick question, or long, depending on you know, how you feel about it. It, it strikes us that the radicals smashing up various American cities... Are are useful to the Democrats coming up on the election, but they're certainly not under their control. And and where this ends, nobody knows. How do you see that whole situation?
3: Well, I think that's right. I think you you always face the danger. President John F. Kennedy once said, "The danger of playing with a tiger is you might end up inside the tiger's stomach." <laughs> um, and he was he was referring to playing uh, with with the Marxists. And that's, that's part of the danger here. I mean, nobody knows. If you look at Seattle, it's a nightmare, and the city council there is is so far to the left that it's crazy. I mean, it's really hard to figure out what that's all about. Um, and so, I, I I don't have any good sense right now of how you know, what a what a Biden administration would do. You know, let, let's face it. With Democrats in charge of Chicago, Democrats in charge of New York, uh, And on one recent weekend, they we had 152 Americans shot in those two cities alone. I don't see their mayors doing anything effective, uh, so I don't have any reason to believe that the same the same philosophy, the same approach, um, if it's held by a president, is going to be very effective either. And I think this thing could gradually spiral out of control because you start getting people who, you know. Who like the power they like the excitement they enjoy being they enjoy destroying things, so last time we had
0: Newt Gingrich on the air, I asked him a question. They got a fair amount of talk on social media, and the question was, um, how is this going to end this fifty fifty split We're at our at each other's throats in a way that hasn't happened in my lifetime. Um, everybody wears their um, political beliefs on their sleeve and defines themselves by it. We have endless five-four Supreme Court decisions. We have close elections. Um, and Newt Gingrich said the last time we talked with him, "It will win, it will end when one side or the other wins. So just to follow up on that a little bit, what will that look like, one side or the other winning? How will we know when that's happened? Well, we know it happened
3: in the late 60s. Uh, you had a huge surge from the left. You had 2,500 bombings. You had the Black Panthers openly saying they wanted to kill cops. You had the weathermen openly wanting to kill people. Um, they, they had they had a million people at the Pentagon at one point. And what happened was the country came together and said enough. And within about 12 months, uh, they had arrested the people who were violent. They had stopped the ability to effectively organize uh and uh it disappeared and it, frankly stayed mostly disappeared until the last couple of years. Now it was on college campuses. Uh it was people like Bill Ayers who said on uh nine eleven that he regretted he hadn't had he hadn't sent more bombs back when he was younger. Uh but that all that all suddenly reemerged, starting towards the end of the Obama period and then really accelerating under Trump as the people like George Soros on the left went out and funded everything they could uh, to, to cause trouble. And uh, the result has been that what will have to happen is either the left will win uh, and we will go towards a very different kind of America, or people will decide enough. And a good example is, is uh, you know, you've now had eight or nine weeks of demonstrations by people who want to burn down the federal courthouse in Oregon, and one of the questions that people should be asked is, you think a president of the United States should just stand by, do nothing, and allow them to burn down a federal courthouse? Or, you think he has an obligation to protect the courthouse? This is a pretty straightforward yes-no question. Well, and, and I think my, my guess, yeah. Go
2: ahead. Well, I was just going to say, uh, I don't think Democrats can condemn even the wo- most violent of the uh, the mob, because that would justify the president's reaction. And so, and this is brutal politics, they are ignoring and enabling folks who are clearly rioters.
3: Right. And so the question has to become, when when it's posed to people, um, do you think the rioters ultimately are good guys? and you know, what's an occasional courthouse among friends? <laughs> or do you think that we have to revert to the rule of law and people have to obey the law? So they're allowed to protest, but they're not allowed to be destructive. And that, that's, this will be one of the most important questions this fall, because uh, part of the challenge, what's really different from the late 60s is the degree to which the news media has disappeared and been replaced by a propaganda media. which just plain lies. I love there's a I think it was yesterday, ABC News reported in Oakland that um, a peaceful demonstration intensified Right. when they burned down a courthouse and right. a police precinct police police station. It, it, an egregious example.
2: Notice. Newt, I apologize a hundred times. We're up against a hard break, so we need to uh, say goodbye and thank you. But Newt's new book, Trump and the American Future, a great read like uh, all of his books have been. Uh, thanks very much for the time.
0: When one side or the other wins, I wonder when that will happen. Does that happen in a couple of years or a couple of decades?
2: Well, and then what do all the people who don't agree with that side do? Right.
3: Armstrong and Getty.
1: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: How's your life? Huh? Same as everybody else's? Because <laughs> I keep telling my kids, <laughs> oh, boy. I know I know you're bored of this and that and tired of this and don't like that. So is the kid in, uh, you know, name the country on the other side of the planet. It sucks for everyone. The whole yeah. thing sucks. <laughs> Be glad when it's over. You know, as a
2: uh, young, empty nester, because we had our kids young, um, And to savor my whole life, I'm actually mostly just mildly inconvenienced, honestly. But I'm really, really worried about, A, the working people of America, and B, what that's going to do to the economy as a whole for my kids and and everybody else.
0: Yeah, if I didn't have kids, uh, the, the major disruption is with the children. Yeah. Definitely for me. Anyway, I'm I'm fortunate that way because I know a lot of you lost actually lost your job or Mm -hmm. closed up your shop or whatever.
2: Yeah. Well, look, and I tell you what, if if this ever happens, uh, find us on social media. We'll tell you where to find us. Um, but a lot of media, including radio, is just getting murdered revenue wise. I mean, we're doing okay, but it's um, it's bad. But like in our knows, I I am mentally prepared for anything oh sure professionally i mean maybe not like a lion running into the control room and chewing off my leg i but wouldn't
0: expect that no
2: uh, i'm not ready for that but
1: boy l- do i have a surprise for you michael <laughs> open the door <laughs> <laughs>
2: but, yeah, yeah. There, do the left one it's never done me any good
0: um see that's another example there if i may interrupt for just a second
2: sure go ahead interrupt for the
0: rest of the show so we'll do something with a popular clip we got and we're giving michael the look and he's struggling to find it or whatever but out of nowhere a lion comes up and michael has a lion roar at the ready
2: the clip we agreed we were going to use a lot can't be found but there lurks the king of the jungle
0: it's kind of weird huh love you
2: michael love you mean it
0: oh that's funny Oh, yeah, anything could happen. But like at our house, it's a, it's a near daily conversation about how is schooling going to turn out or what are we going to do or how are we going to handle it. Oh, that's a tremendous burden.
2: And, you know, it's funny. We have some homeschool enthusiasts who've written us some some lovely emails saying, hey, 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 quit being so negative about that. It's better learning than the public schools. And and that but, is true in so much as you can structure your, your, your life and your lives to do that, but not all families can do that. Well, and, and you, there's also a gift there. I mean, not anybody can be like a great singer or or whatever, an athlete or a mathematician or whatever. And not everybody can be a really effective homeschool
0: teacher. You also would have to make the choice to uh, to check out of the the, the 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 school system. You have to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to go homeschool. We're going to go full on. This is what we're going to do. We're going to get the resources. We're going to get the you know, the books, the programs, the this, the that, and we're not going to do... Because you can't do both. They're not suggesting that, are they? No, not really. Uh, so you are got to make the decision of, okay, my kid, I'm disenrolling him from the school. Mm-hmm. That's a big
2: deal. Well, theoretically, you could do the distance learning thing and take a very active role in being their tutor and helping them and everything. But the problem is you're you're tied to the, uh, the curriculum right, right. And, and the teacher and the rest of it that's, you know... And a lot of them are doing their best, but let's face it, it's it's half measures at best.
0: Oh, yeah, at best. Um, do we have time for this? The Wages of Woke, How Robin DiAngelo Got Rich Peddling White Fragility. We've talked about this book quite a bit. It's gotten a hell of a lot of attention. She's younger than I pictured. She is very young. Robin DiAngelo, the best-selling author of White Fragility, <laughs> claims to believe... I'm reading from... What am I reading from here? The Washington Free B- Beacon. The book's a pile of garbage. Oh, that! What did Matt Taibbi, a lefty, yes. a liberal, called the book "Horse S"?
2: Yes. All right, keep that. Just on. ridiculous, and the number of, of, of people who have fallen for its its fraud is astonishing to me.
0: She claims to believe in accountability. D'Angelo used the uh, used to list the racial justice organizations that she donates to as part of her extensive accountability statement of being an anti racist, including monthly she sends quote "land rent to a Native American tribe that used to uh, own the part of Seattle she lives in. <laughs> so she actually sends a check to a nearby Indian tribe because she feels bad about the fact that it now belongs to the United States and the state of Washington and the city of Seattle and and her and her.
2: How about the tribe that had it before that tribe, Robin? Does the first tribe we talked about now send money to them, or and how about the folks who owned it before that?
0: Guaranteed, wit. Guaranteed, some tribe had it, and another tougher, more aggressive tribe came along and pushed that tribe off. Right, guaranteed. But anyway, when the Washington Free Beacon began contacting the organizations she listed as recipients of her largess, D'Angelo scrubbed the site, removing their names and the dates of her giving from the public domain. A version of the page remains available through the Internet Archive after briefly being unavailable due to what the site said were technical issues. So when somebody started looking into these organizations she claims she's been giving money to all along as part of her, you know, woke anti-racism, racism, racism, this and that stuff. All of a sudden, she took all that stuff off her website and claimed it was a technical issue. (laughs) For some reason, she didn't want people uh, looking around as to where she claimed she was sending her money. That's kind of interesting. The page was edited again as recently as Friday when D'Angelo wrote she would be donating 15% of her after-tax income in cash and in-kind donations starting next month, suggesting she had not previously, as the page exhorts, given a percentage of her income large enough that she could feel it, which is what she suggests everybody do. In-kind donations. Now, that's interesting. That would be like speaking at your...
2: Yes, which brings us to, uh, because we don't begrudge anybody for being successful. I mean, even if it's ridiculous, I figure, well, if enough people drink the snake oil, you deserve the money. But the insidious part of her gig, and that's, that's what I have a feeling right. you're about to get to, is that she identifies this horrific problem in society. You white people are horrible, and the only way you can redeem yourself to come to my workshop
0: <laughs> uh well and and also just claiming that she's donated all this money and apparently she had not this about faces odd for a woman who's made a career demanding white people not respond defensively in hard conversations d'angelo vaulted to superstardom upon the 2018 publication of her book for white fragility which we have uh described as horse s um because cetera, it is the nationwide racial outcry george floyd you know all that um D'Angelo may be its greatest success story. While she has likely made over $2 million from her book since George Floyd's murder, the speaking circuit is where she is cleaning up. One of the speaker's bureaus that represents her told the Free Beacon that a 60- to 90-minute keynote would run about $30,000. A two-hour workshop is $35,000 and a half-day event, $40,000.
2: That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'd say. It's not Hillary Clinton money, but it's... It's very good money.
0: Even before the George Floyd protests, the New Yorker had dubbed D'Angelo the country's most visible expert in anti-bias training. But The eye-popping numbers underscore how she has turned her academic theories about white racism into a multi-million dollar empire of anti-imperialism. She owns three homes as an international jet setter. She did not respond to multiple requests for comment on this article, by the way. Of course not. Um, she's got clients from Amazon to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation where she's spoken. She charges up to $15,000 per session to go talk to a business.
2: And remember, you're a bad person, a a racist, and you violated all of these rules. And if you say, wait a minute, no, I didn't. That's proof that you're guilty. Right. And again, the only way you can possibly redeem yourself is to come to my next event. $150 ticket.
0: D'Angelo has presented herself as a classic American rags-to-riches story offering vivid details of a childhood spent in profound poverty. Those details are not always consistent. In a 2006 paper, for example, she claims she left home as a teenager and struggled to survive, seeing no path out of poverty other than education. But in a recent New York Times interview, she claimed to have run away from home but says she didn't get far and she didn't enroll in college until she was in her mid-30s. Neither of D'Angelo's sisters respond to requests for comment. (laughs) I'm sure they don't. Uh, that's something. Um, I love the stuff about when they started to dig into, okay, what are these organizations you, uh, donated money to? We're going to go talk to them. How much did you say you gave? All of that disappeared from the website for technical issues. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, this sort of thing has been around as long as it's as old as time. Um... I wonder if we'll ever be in a situation where we're uh, required to go to a uh, conference room and listen to her speak
2: uh not her but well, one know, of somebody. her yeah, yeah one of her acolytes one of her
0: imps I wonder if my kids will be attending a school where where either her or you know one of her surrogates is there speaking the, this stuff
2: well this stuff is absolutely in the curricula of grade schools high schools and colleges around the country now
0: D'Angelo's wealth is jarring in part because of her criticisms of white privilege. It's also surprising given that available evidence suggests the anti-bias training she peddles does not work. A review of nearly 1,000 studies of anti-bias tools found little evidence that they have any impact. In fact, recent studies suggest anti-bias' training's primary effect may be to encourage discrimination. It's kind of like when they come to your office and uh, talk about sexual harassment. Harassment goes up. I wonder why that is. But this, uh, when she comes and starts talking about you know, being an anti-racist, they think racism goes up. Well, I, I will tell you this, and I'm not saying I'm in favor of this, but it's
2: a reality. and We've talked about this before. It's undeniable. When various uh, progressive policies for, say, uh, maternity leave, family leave, etc., get so lavish, companies say to themselves, we can't afford to hire a woman of reproductive age. It will be a disaster. Our, our, our margins are already thin. It would be a disaster if we hired a woman and she... Uh, now, normally, we'd give her leave or we'd keep, keep paying her or whatever, but it's gotten to the point where we can't afford a woman. If you have a workforce full of hyper-woke, hypersensitive, white fragility-reading social justice warrior types you see somebody like that come and do not hire them interesting it's way too dangerous so in fact and, and I would suggest to you that if you get fully steeped in this stuff you'd think I can't possibly hire a black person
0: so firms with her diversity training end up with fewer minorities in management and field research that training both reinforces stereotypes and increases animosity against minority
2: groups well right that's because if you get far enough into this rabbit hole of crazy every black person, in your workplace is a ticking time bomb is a grenade about to go off and and listen again i want to make it infinitely clear i'm not saying that is or should be the truth but if you go down this rabbit hole it is and that's i mean my god how incredibly unfair
0: to people of color well this this is a pretty good capper to this and we should uh, post the article at our website um... DeAngelo's concept of white fragility off uh, offers an answer to the evidence that this doesn't work. The negative responses whites express when they're told they're racist are simply evidence that they lack racial stamina. An indication that you need more $40,000 anti-bias sessions. (laughs) I mean, if it's showing that it's not working or getting worse, you just need more of my $40,000 a time help. You you know what? I called her her a
2: half-wit earlier, which could not be less true. She is one of the great scam artists of the last century. I mean, one of the real giants, uh, Bernie Madoff, is tipping his cap to this woman right now. She is a great scammer.
0: Well, it's even worse than I thought. I better come back for another session at $40,000.
2: Right, because this didn't help me a bit. And if that one fails, needless to say, a third should be lined up. Fantastic. In fact, that's proof you need a third. It's it's a perpetual motion machine, a perpetual cash machine. <laughs> She's not a half-witch, she's a genius. You people falling for her hogwash? You're not geniuses.
1: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: Here we go. Listen to this. I'm oh, clear in
2: how I characterize this? This is a mostly a protest. Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not generally speaking unruly.
0: So that is part. Oh, I had. Oh. N- I had not seen oh. that. I had not seen that. Oh. Sean said that made the rounds on social media. That was one of the more common clips of, of look at the way that this is being covered. Because you right. got, a, I think, a CNN reporter standing there saying, uh, mostly peaceful protests, everything is basically fine. And behind him, there's a building completely on fire. It's a raging <laughs> inferno. <laughs> Which is kind of kind of a funny visual, but other the, than that, I think we're not focusing on how many not raging infernos are in that shot. <laughs> right, right. The city is mostly not on fire. Uh, so that's part of the hearing that's going on today with uh, Attorney General Barr and Jim Jordan. Just played a long uh, montage from the media about peaceful protests, peaceful protests, and fires and that and whatnot. And you know, if we can get into that discussion at a later time,
2: oh yeah, I'd like to hear that. Just ridiculous! Oh, speaking of uh, terrible news uh, outlets, CNN's uh, utterly unwatchable eunuch media reporter Brian Stelter is that his name? Um, boy, is he a t- terrible human being because he is allegedly uh, a bipartisan critic, but he hasn't—he doesn't even expend a single drop of sweat in being fair. He's just a wildly partisan guy. And Howard, meanwhile, Howard Kurtz on Fox is extremely critical of conservative media when they get it wrong. But anyway, CNN's terrible and unwatchable. He may have violated the network's agreement, their settlement with, uh, you remember, Nick Sandman Yeah. and the whole Washington Monument. He has successfully sued, well, settled with, a number of media outlets, the Washington Post and, and CNN and others.
0: And they haven't released the figures, but it could easily be... Hundred million dollars plus total of all of them because he had a 20, he settled a 250 million dollar lawsuit with the Washington Post over the weekend, and then he settled that like 100 million dollar lawsuit with CNN. If he got a portion of any of those, he
2: might have just gotten $25,000 to go away. We, we, you don't know, but, um, so this Brian Stelter retweeted somebody saying essentially, he just got a nuisance amount to go away. It's it's no, they they didn't really have to pay. And then Brian Stelter of CNN retweeted that, which Sandman's lawyers are saying that violates the confidentiality agreement. He just expressed publicly that the settlement was very small, and so they're uh, they're going to go after him again for that. If it gets that eunuch off the air, I'm happy. You don't think of course, was, I don't have to watch him. You
0: don't think it was probably a fairly significant amount of money? Because they really were out of line.
2: Yeah, they were. Um, I- I'm guessing it's not millions. It's It might be six figures. But, I, you know, I could be wrong. Um, it's it's tough to take was, this sort of thing to trial over wanted, and over again. But
0: they wanted that to go away bad. Oh, yeah. I agree. Um I don't know how deep their pockets are. I'm obviously, not sure we'll
2: ever find out.
0: Obviously, the Washington Post pockets are about as deep as pockets get. Well, right. The deepest pockets in the entire world. They're
2: a pocket within the pocket of Jeff Bezos, who has very big pants.
0: So Bernie Sanders' co-chair, woman that was half in charge of getting Bernie Sanders the nomination, which it looked like he was going Bernard to Bernard Sanders. That's he, right. He won the first three contests, then ended up not getting it. Um, she's, she said voting for Joe Biden is like eating half a bowl of S, which is a, you know, mm. not a joke. Colorful. That's uh, at least it's only half. Co-chair of Bernie Sanders presidential campaign vividly described how she feels about choosing between Biden and Trump. I like it. It says there, likening it to only eating half a bowl of excrement. No. And then they go with the quote. <laughs> Keep in mind from her perspective, that's because Biden is too far right. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Of course. I know. Um which uh, which I think is, you know, his problem. I think that's one of his problems yeah. that he's gonna have. There are there are a number of uh, uh black opinion makers that have come out that are not happy with they're not excited about voting for Joe Biden. That's Charlemagne the God, is that what his name is? Yep. Um said Biden better pick a black female soon because I need some reason to support this because it ain't, it ain't Joe Biden. Interesting. And then
2: you have the real energy of the party on the far left, and he's not there. He he tries to
0: pretend to be, but he's not very good at it. If I'm Joe Biden, I, I figure those people either don't vote or go ahead and vote for me even though they're not happy about it and try to get that little bit of chunk closer to the middle yeah. to become elected president. Yeah. This
2: is a weird election. Oh, heck yeah. I'd I thought say- the last one was weird.
0: And uh, 98 days to go? Who knows what's going to freaking happen in 98 days?
2: Oh, my God. The excitement gap is a factor. The enthusiasm gap. Trump has uh, like a 20-point lead in enthusiasm among his likely voters, which is amazing. Nobody is excited about Biden. Mrs. Biden isn't excited about Joe
0: Biden. He might not need it, though.